to the BPD Bunch. We have a panel of people who are in functional recovery from borderline personality disorder, and each week, a few of us get together to discuss the ups and downs of our BPD journeys to give you hope and direction for your own. I'm your host, Zanny, and today I am here with Roth, Lena, Selene, and a special guest, actress Lindsay Shaw. Woo! <laughs> Where in the world is everybody coming from today? Australia, Melbourne, in beautiful winter where it's six degrees right now, and we're feeling excited Ooh. and great about it. I'm in Belo Horizonte, Brazil. It is, I don't know what degrees here, but <laughs> a little bit warmer than that. <laughs> I'm in Nantes in France, and it's 38 degrees Celsius, so I am melting 38. First of all, it's so cool to be here. I'm so happy to be here for this discussion with you wonderful people who I just found on Instagram. Um, I am here in Studio City, California, where it's a little bit overcast, which is my favorite kind of weather. Oh, I hate, I hate <laughs> overcast. It's great for filming. It's great for filming, but uh, I love it. Wow, that's I'm a surprising. girl. I'm a sunshine girl. That is me. I love the sun so much. Uh, And I live in New Mexico where it's sunny most of the time. So yeah, that is my jam. Wow. Today we're going to talk all about the emotion rage. We'll share some of our best BPD rage stories and give insights into managing that anger. So who's got a, who's got a a rage story they want to open up? open up with Lindsay. I'll never forget this because it was so intense for me. I was, I was coloring, right. And I had brown marker and the marker, um, had kind of like started to go out and it made me so angry. Right. Cause I was like, I was trying to like finish my drawing or whatever. And it was running out of things. So I remember pressing it so hard into the paper and going like that and trying to just like get it out. And I really like malformed the tip of the marker. And I looked at it after I had done it and I burst into tears. I was so ashamed and sorrowful for what I'd done. And it was such a, um, it was more rage than I'd ever felt before. Like it was rage at nothing. And that, I, I don't know if I was like six or seven or whatever, But when I got my diagnosis, I went back to that moment. Like that moment stuck out for me like crazy because there was no explanation for it then of why this inanimate thing and then this huge like double switch of emotion like, you know, had had happened to me. That, okay, what you just described then is kind of just blew my mind. I would have been like seven years old or something as well, like quite young. And I remember it was Easter. We're doing the Easter egg hunt. And I remember, like, my brother or someone telling me, like, oh, you know, there's eggs over there next to, like, mum's dresser. Go look over there, you'll find one. So I go over there, looking everywhere, and I couldn't find this chocolate Easter egg at all. And I just remember snapping, like, literally snapping, grabbing, like, this comb, like, a decently sharp one, and just throwing it as hard as I could at, like, all my family that was sitting there, and just screaming, like, you lied to me! And just throwing this thing at them. And then kind of just not really knowing what happened. Feeling this just like immense guilt and shame. And like night after night for a while just crying. Thinking like I was like I could have really hurt somebody. Because Mm. of this like outburst of rage that I had in there. 
That is, I feel like I can see your little body, like rageful and tense up, like with that yeah. same feeling I've had with the comb. I mean, oof. Yeah. I feel you. It was intense. Yeah, and definitely it's linked to that value component, right? Someone lied to you and like crossed a mm. boundary, a value that you hold dear. And that's what I see in like my rage episodes, even early on that, I, you know, I didn't have these words like value or something like that. But <laughs> for me, it was all linked to like, we were brought up on the principle of equality, like everything is equal, but she's younger than me. And for me, that was deeply unfair. And I was really jealous. I felt like, like she must be better than me. Like I felt my parents loved mm. her more. Like there was so much jealousy. So all of my rage is linked to that, like sense of unfairness. And one specific example um, for me that really stands out is like we were playing basketball and I don't know, there was an argument and obviously they took her side and I just lost it through the ball, slam the door of the house, even though I'm not even in the house. I'm just like taking the door, slam the door, insulted everybody, walked off and I was 10 and I just walked walked off. Yeah, the justice sensitivity, like equality thing, for sure. I relate to that so much. I even, I'll be honest, like for me in recovery, my anger, I'm generally a much calmer person. Things don't get to me in the same way, but those things where there's like an injustice, I have a really hard time with that. Um, even just last year, I was walking down the street in San Francisco. So I'm American. I live in Brazil. My partner's Brazilian. And um, whenever I'm in the U.S., all we have is to talk on the phone. And we mostly talk in Portuguese. So that's my partner's native language. He speaks that easier. Um, and I was walking down the street and this woman, I think she assumed that I didn't speak English or something. She made some sort of comment to me about how I was walking down the street speaking another language or something. And I'm in, I've been in recovery for years, but I lost it. I like put the phone down and I was like, why don't you come back over here and say that to my face? And like, I have never had a physical confrontation, especially in recovery. And I am not an angry person. I don't technically fight people. But in that moment, I was like ready to throw blows at this woman. I was like, you're done. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. It's yeah. When there's an injustice, that's what, that's what really gets me. It's so hard to imagine you saying that, Lena. Like, it's so I know, right? <laughs> oh no, I was like, I was ready to go. Uh, I think I actually, I think I scared her a little bit because I was like, nah, nah, nah. why don't you come back over here and say that to my face? <laughs> it was, it was intense. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. You know, you, you're talking about like, you know, not being an angry person, and and I probably don't come off that way now to other people, but I've for probably 20 years considered myself a very angry person because it's kind of my go-to emotion to deal with all the other negative emotions that make me feel weak. You know, if there's a situation where I don't think it makes sense to be sad or jealous or feel shame, I would just immediately divert to anger. And actually that leads me to a question, Lena. So you are a therapist and you work with you know, a lot of people who have BPD. And one of the things I'm curious about, because a lot of people have brought up shame. So what's the rage shame cycle and how does that manifest in people who have BPD? That's such a great question because to me, I think for a lot of us, we've learned how to feel shame in response to our anger. Like the story you described, Selene, is a perfect example of that. You were 
essentially taught in that moment, like your anger is unjustified to the situation. You're having an overreaction, whatever things we've been told that our anger doesn't make sense or that it's too much or whatever, right? And so a lot of us have what we call in DBT, the secondary emotion of shame, which means we feel an emotion and then we feel another emotion in response to it. Um, so a lot of us have this experience where we feel really intense anger and a lot of times it's justified. In DBT, we use this language of justified versus unjustified. Does it fit the facts of the situation, right? It makes sense for you to be angry in that moment, right? And so your anger is justified. However, because of all of the things we've been taught about our own anger, our own responses to situations, we have then a shame response. And then that sort of fuels our anger. And to me, I sort of see they just kind of activate each other to the point where like it gets sort of out of control, right? It gets beyond the point where we know what to do with it, right? And I'm sure we've all had experience. I know I've had experiences where I would get angry and then I would get ashamed of being angry. And then I would just get angrier because I was, I was angry that I was ashamed of being angry. And then I just like lost sight of what I was even angry about in the first place. And my anger just kind of spiraled out of control. Right. And so when I'm working with folks with BPD and therapy, um, you know, a lot of people come to me, like, oh, I have anger issues or whatever. And the first thing I'm looking at is the shame because um, anger is a, it's an emotion that makes sense in a lot of situations. Like a lot of the stories we've described, all of them, really, it makes sense to be angry in that situation. Right. And the shame is what I'm gonna target first as a therapist because the shame is what is making our anger go out, spiral out of control. So I, I am always working with clients on like practicing self-validation, like learning ways of like just reducing that shame because the shame is what turns our anger into rage. Um, what I wanted to bounce off was um, the question of like, did it work? I think if you're like having a rage outburst and you feel like it finally got you heard or seen, um, and that was kind of what you were trying to achieve, then that can reinforce and then the behavior can come again and again and it can become your go-to behavior. What, you know, what I'm hearing too in a lot of these is like you were saying, Selene, we're taught this anger response, but it's also because of in the biosocial theory in DBT, we, we see, you know, people with BPD have this kind of higher emotional baseline, right? Like uh, we're much more quicker to anger because our emotions are already just kind of at a higher level. We don't go down to like a nothingness, right? We go down to like what for other people might be their version of intense emotions, right? And then what happens is um, a lot of us grew up in environments where maybe there wasn't necessarily like big T trauma, but there's what we call chronic invalidation, which you have an emotional response and the people say, oh, just get, it. it's not that big of a deal. Or maybe even more intensely like, oh, I'll give you something to cry about, right? You know, every reaction you have is basic, you're basically communicated like, you're making a big deal out of nothing, right? You're, you're having too big of emotions, you need to stop that. And, you know, what I always tell clients is that doesn't teach us how to manage our emotions, it just teaches us to self-invalidate. And that's where the shame comes in. Because then every time I'm gonna have an intense anger reaction after that, instead of having tools of knowing how to cope with it, how to manage it, how to soothe myself, et cetera. I'm just gonna have that voice in my head that's like, stop being angry, you're being a brat, or you're whatever, whatever, X, Y, Z, invalidation, right? Which is brings in the shame. And then that's where the cycle begins, right? And so that's why, you know, with my clients, the first thing I'm working on is like, um, when you have a reaction and your immediate response is say, oh, I made a big deal out of that, or I overreacted, I'm like, no, no, no. Tell, tell me what happened using non-judgmental language. Tell me actually what happened. What does overreacting mean? 
right? I think probably you had a very legitimate response to that situation and then you had a lot of shame and then your emotions kind of got in the way of you kind of responding to it in a certain way. But using this invalidation of like, oh gosh, I made a big deal out of nothing. It does nothing to help us actually know how to manage our anger. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Let me just say, I'm probably just going to resonate with everything on this podcast. So this is the last time I'll say it. Um, wow. So actually part of what you said about our emotions are always at this level, are always available to us, right? So one of the reasons that I feel like my BPD diagnosis got postponed was because I was put in this industry where having like my, that the disease actually brought me the skills that I needed at first to sort of like break into this industry. I just kind of thought that I was an artist who like couldn't shut off the craft or do you think this just stops after I go home? Um, after, after a while, after these, whatever, even when I was still working, I would be just screaming at the top of my lungs that I didn't want to do this because nothing had been helped. If anything, everything had been ex exacerbated. And at a certain point, like that was no longer anything that I could build a career on, which is totally different. Like the way that I re-entered the acting scene, but doing it without, you know, the BPD thing, I find that I'm still able to access those things now that I'm sober, now that I'm whatever, but in this a little bit more ch channeled way where I'm not so raw and vulnerable and, you know, just, just subject to the flames of, of just life in this city and in this industry, you know, which I don't think that I, I had no protection from that when I got here when I was 12, you know, um, if anything, I just thought that it was an asset. So that's, wow. It's amazing. That's just, wow. I remember early in my, earlier in my life, I really wanted to go into acting and I had a really hard time because rage was so much my default emotion. And I had so much shame associated with things like sadness and fear that I had a really hard time accepting those emotions. I remember in acting school getting criticized for being too Teflon all the time because I was so ashamed of ever feeling sadness and fear that I would always default to anger. And I use anger so much as a way to push people away. You know, Solana was talking earlier about being seen but I use it to, I use it a lot to control the people around me to keep them at a distance. I remember when I was in high school, I was at an eating disorder treatment center and part of the eating disorder treatment center, there was a place where we lived and there was a center. I remember walking home one day and this stray cat followed me back and I really wanted to figure out what I was going to do with this cat. And so I bring it inside and the house mother person taking care of everyone is like, okay, a few minutes, figure out what to do with this cat, but it's really got to go. And so I'm like calling the ASPCA, trying to figure out what to do with this cat. And eventually she comes back and is like, this cat's really got to go. And I haven't been able to figure out where it's going to go. No one's going to pick it up and I'm freaking out. And, and so to try to get her to leave me alone, I just lashed out and I was like, well, fine, I'll put the cat back out on the street. But if it gets hit by a car and dies, I'm just going to murder all of you. You know, she started laughing at me. And I was like, she's not taking my emotions seriously. I, the threat was not serious at all, but she started laughing and, and, and I was like, don't laugh. I'm serious. And of, of course she took that as I meant to actually hurt everyone. And <laughs> I ended up getting kicked out of the program. Uh, but it was really like, I just wanted her to leave me alone and let me do what I wanted to do and solve this problem for this cat. And so now in recovery, 
I, I cry all the time. Like, it's funny, if I went back to, to do more performance stuff now, I'd be like, ah, oh, you need me to cry? You need me to feel fear? I got you. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened to the poor cat? No idea what happened to the cat. Wait, I, wait, I, wait, I pretty... wait. You, you never, it, it just walked away? You didn't know? At the time, I was a little bit preoccupied by getting kicked right, out. Right, right, right. <laughs> Zanny, I feel like everything that you're saying, I mean, everything everybody's saying is, like I said, resonating, but your story in particular about using the rage to hold people here and that sadness and despair thing, even, even in, even in my comedy, what I think made me funny as an actress in the first part of my career was that I would put rage into it, right? I would be so angry and then that would be my comedy, right? And so it was this very specific female archetype that I really appreciated and had grown up on, right? And those were all the characters that I had really liked. And that just actually started to become less and less cute, <laughs> to be really honest, not only in real life, but also on screen, you know? Um, so it's kind of sort of had to evolve uh, away from that. But Zanny, yeah, I, I feel like, uh, our roads are parallel with just with using the rage to sort of put people out here as opposed to like drawing attention to a real need that I had. Like there was a need, but I, I, I wasn't trying to draw people in like that, right? Like it really was like a porcupine type thing. Like I wasn't invited to any parties when I was younger. Like I was just was not, you know, the, the sociable popular, the girl. And it's it's really because of those real strange prickly emotions. Yeah. Oh yeah. I used to like, end friendships in a conversation because I always just and, and sometimes I still feel this a little bit where it's like I always have on the tip of my tongue just the right thing to say that's going to mm. push this person away where they can't come back right okay, um, yeah. I would you know get angry at someone and I, I remember in college I got angry with a friend of mine and I went I, I wasn't even in the same room as her I went to the party she was at made her come outside and like yelled at her on the front lawn of this party to the point where she was in tears. Um, I definitely used anger to push people away. And like now not having that feeling the vulnerability in relationships and not pushing people away and not like using anger to protect myself. It's, it's really different. You know, like I remember in my relationship too, at first I was like, just trying to keep him at arm's length and he just didn't play along with it. And I was like, well, shit, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, it's like, that was what right? I relied on so much. Right? So wait, wait. So we all have the thing of going for the jugular. Like I literally say, you're going to remember this on your deathbed. If I talk to you about this, you will remember these words. It will change you. And you know what? Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Like that's <laughs> what I always used to say. Right. But I still feel that ability to be like, I can see the deepest part of you. I'm going to twist a knife in there. So mm. you're not going to be a threat again. With what you were saying, like that thing to like to go for the jugular. Like I have a very different relationship with rage. I would know the thing that I could say that could end a conversation instantly. But rage for me is largely like internalized. Like that I, the shame that I like must have felt for like feeling angry growing up just an exhaustive effect where like I wouldn't get angry at anything that lid that I had created to like hold all this anger and all this stress in was just so so overwhelmingly tight that like literally just couldn't feel things anymore and like physically it would just manifest in all these like brutal ways 
but yeah, like it's just interesting how like the same BPD and effectively the same emotion or the same like exhaustive input can present so differently. Yeah, it's interesting to hear different perspectives, like how people used rage more to push push people away, or Raph, like you said, where it was more internalized. For me, the rage is self-directed. It's like a boomerang. I feel it inside, it goes out, but it comes straight back into me. Recently, I was really angry, and I thought I was angry at a situation at work. And my husband said, "Um, here is a pillow. Hit the pillow, get it out there. And I looked at the pillow and I was like, but this pillow has done nothing to me. I can't hit the pillow. And he said, imagine the pillow is your boss and you know, this is what they've done to you. And I was like, I don't want to hit my boss. And then he said, imagine the pillow is you. (laughs) Absolute rage. I destroyed that pillow. We had to throw it away. Just telling this story. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel it. Like literally my stomach started tensing up just now. I'm looking sideways at my sister's pillow at my, my sister's place so sorry Anais if your pillows are not there this is because of the episode <laughs> but yeah like you know it's like you for me it comes within and it's it's like it's ready to come out but then it's actually coming back in like there's a full cycle thing so we've been talking a lot about the different ways that we express anger and sort of what activates it how does anger feel in your body? Like if you had to tell somebody, this is my body sensation that tells me that I'm raging, what's your answer to that? It starts in my core, in my belly. It's like really, really tense. Then it moves up into my chest and shoulders. And again, it like tenses everything. It's like, I can't breathe anymore. There's like this, and then it like propels me to act. So tenses like, I don't know, my muscles in my arms or my legs. And then I'm ready to break a wall. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) I feel anger in my body as this little like a seed of radioactive acid just dropped into my stomach, right? And I've got to get the venom out. So it's a whole lot of like stomach to throat chakra type things. And then, you know, when I start screaming, I know it's really bad when I have to take a few like deep breaths every couple words, not just because I'm out of breath, but because like it, I feel like it's burning me to get out. Maybe it's just the acid reflux. I don't know, but <laughs> it feels like the rage. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I think my brain got so used to being like, oh, this is anger. We're not supposed to feel this. Just let's just not feel it. And then we'll just shut down. I guess dissociate kind of where I just be like, I, I do a lot of like breathing and like, calming exercise and a di- like really specifically diaphragmatic breathing lately helps calm the anxiety i guess the anxiety is probably like a precursor to it but these days it never really gets past that but like as far as like actual anger goes like yeah i don't know yeah i mean kind of similarly like my uh, i know i'm angry when i'm like I, 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 it's like, I don't even feel it. It's so uncomfortable. The first thing I feel is the, like the adrenaline, like the, just the urge to act out. Right. Where it's like, I, you know, I know I'm making a decision out of anger when I'm like, I got to do it right now. It's like, (laughs) it's very urgent. It's extremely urgent. That part, (laughs) that part. Mm -hmm. It just has to get out. 
that's why it's so hard to stop right especially rage yeah. it's like it's so so powerful it's yeah. just like and even in recovery and you're like trying to tell yourself breathe calm down well and that's the thing like that's why like in dbt we think about it as like it, it like there are times where it it makes sense to be like that right like if i you know i remember one time years ago i was on the street um on a date with someone and this guy was like coming up to her trying to like you know get i don't know really inappropriate or something and i was just like get the, you know like i just like lashed out at him and he was like whoa and he ran off you know like sometimes it it's protects you to be angry like that oh yeah yeah, yeah definitely i'm a lot like you Selen, where i get this intense energy usually it's like a heat sort of in my chest and if it starts moving to my extremities that's when i know i'm starting to lose control and that if I want to be able to make a decision where I am consciously acting and not impaired by my anger, I have to do that while that energy is still in my chest. If it's moved, I have to, I have to step away because I just, I will not be able to think clearly enough to have any control in the situation. Yeah, I think you all bring up a, a really interesting point of the, you know, feeling anger and expressing anger. I think like anger is one of those emotions we really look at from the outside, um, how we're expressing it. But even just feeling anger, that can be really hard for a lot of us. Like, and I think even, even those of us who do like express it outward, you know, sometimes, like I said, I have a hard time even just feeling the anger because like we've talked about earlier there's other emotions wrapped up in that typically that are really painful for me to feel like a lot of times I'm feeling angry I'm also feeling sad um there's grief there's like regret there's all sorts of feelings wrapped up in there that are so painful that we're just like I got to do something about this um and one of the things as a therapist that like you know we get to a point um and this is why I always say dbt is so much more than skills because everyone knows dbt is like using the skills to manage your emotions right which is really great and really helpful if i'm it was super like i have a lot of problems with rage i need to learn how to like use skills to stop myself from doing that and um at a certain point in dbt what we do with clients is get them to a point where it's, you know, we call it emotion exposure, where it's like, can you feel those emotions? Like notice what it feels like in your body. Notice like what's happening inside you. Because a lot of times we learn these reactions to deal with our anger because we were never given the opportunity or really taught how to just experience our feelings and like notice our feelings, validate our feelings. Like, oh, it makes sense. I'm really angry right now. Like, how can I just sit with this? You don't have to get rid of your feelings. You don't have to like reduce your feelings all the time. Sometimes we just have to learn how to like sit with it. Damn, I'm really angry right now, right? Can I just sit with that and just notice it? And also, I think it's important that we talk about intensity, the intensity of the emotion, because that's the two things that we tend to look at. Like one, is the emotion valid? And two, does the intensity make sense? And sometimes the intensity with rage is so high. Maybe it makes sense to be angry. Does it make sense to rage and like break a wall? Perhaps not. So then we can reevaluate like those two elements, I think, side by side. 
Yeah. I think typically we don't need to break a wall if we're validated, right? Like usually yeah. the the rage, like I said, comes from the shame of like, oh, I'm not supposed to be angry right now. Like I'll have clients who will come to me and they'll be angry at something or another. You know, they sent me a message. I didn't respond. And they're like ready to fight. Right. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry that I didn't see that or whatever it was. And it's like, oh, Okay. You know, like I don't I don't need to have rage at you if you're listening to me and responding to it, you know? I actually think that I am the exact opposite where it's like instead of permission to feel, it's like you have permission to put up some boundaries. Um I think my mom's number one thing to me, um she was the most emotional one in her family of seven, right? And while I did appreciate, so her starting advice to me was just get it out, just get it out, no matter what it is, just get it out, right? Like, let's not really look at it or discern it or break it down, but just get it out and then it's out. And then, you know, that fed into the acting industry where it was like your highest emotions are getting you your highest praise, right? And your ability to do these things and take it to the limit. And so now I think my work is not everything is a feeling contest. Like you can... You know, I think like while all of our work is to rein it in, I just really think that I I am overexpressed on a lot of the things that I've done and sort of bringing that back down into a healthy like, do you need to add your two cents here? Or is that really, you know, enough to take your emotional energy or art like does somebody really need to know your opinion about it? like you can just you know let it let it be whereas uh, everybody would know everything at every moment and it would would be the most important thing because of my delivery and because of my intensity and like you know so just the permission to like hey take your seat <laughs> that's <laughs> that's something that I've been experiencing that sort of like emotion vomit on other people without any kind of barrier you know I think for me, one of the things it was, this was not really a skill, but it was a realization that I had was that even in moments when I am completely justified to be angry, really loud expressions of rage are very rarely effective in getting my needs met or, or coming to a resolution in like, especially with people that I care about, right? Like I think the examples from earlier about lashing out at somebody who's literally dangerous to you is is a healthy use of that. But, you know, if I am having an issue with my husband and I start screaming at him, it doesn't matter if I'm justified in being angry. That does not help us come to a solution at all. And I think that helped me whenever I started to feel like I was gearing towards rage, I could remind myself that it doesn't matter if I'm right. Because that, to me, was always a thing that drove it. It was like, well, I'm right, and I deserve to have my feelings be heard, and da-da-da-da-da. And I just, I just go, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're right or not. What matters is how you communicate to this person. So take a step back, breathe, and if I needed to leave a situation, there have legitimately been times where I've just said to someone, I know this is really important. I am starting to get to a point where I am not going to be able to control the things that come out of my mouth or the volume of my voice. So I'm going to take a few minutes. If our audience members are sitting in the room with us and they're like, I'm really struggling with rage. What words of comfort or advice would you give to them? My roommate made me write this. 
it's something that I don't even believe when I read it when I'm upset, but I'm hoping one of these times and it's just like, this will pass, I promise. Because everything always does. Mm. And when I look at this, <laughs> I feel like nothing sometimes when I'm super angry. I'm like, <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes I get it, but it will. I think I would say, because I know for me, one of the hardest parts of anger and rage is the shame that came along with it. And so I will say that you're not alone in feeling shame about things that you do when you're in a really intense state of anger. And, you know, life moves on. Um, most other people, depending on the situation, don't hold on to the same amount of anger and grudge and, you know, resentment towards ourselves as we do. We tend to, you know, be harsher on ourselves um, a lot of times than other people are. And, um, you know, life can move on even after you've made mistakes with rage. I would say uh, go on an exploration and try and find out what is triggering your rage and what might be behind your rage. As somebody who used to really lash out at people in very extreme ways, I think one of the biggest struggles for me in moving forwards was I always felt like I had to get the other person's forgiveness. I had to make the situation okay. And that was the only way that I could get rid of my shame. I think in the long run, that's what made dealing with the symptoms so slow was because I had such a hard time of letting go of the fact that a situation didn't go the way that I wanted it to. And so I guess my one thing would be if you're really struggling with this to really feel the emotions that are underlying it and, and to be willing to accept that, no, I didn't act in the most effective way I could have. And there's nothing I can do about it now. So what can I do to move forwards? And it's so much easier said than done. And especially if you have long lasting consequences of rage behavior, like losing friendships, that can be really difficult. And the sooner you can accept that the past is in the past and that you can only change your future behavior, the easier it is, or at least for me, the easier it's been to be able to actually <laughs> be able to integrate skills into my daily living. I think if anything, particularly people, I guess in my case, who the rage has been mostly internalized is you're allowed to feel angry and you're allowed to be annoyed and you're allowed to feel all those things, accept the feelings and express that in a way that's justified and accept like all those parts of you because it's the shame that kind of ends up crippling you in the end. So it's better just to accept it and know that even with all that, you still deserve to be loved. Well, thank you everyone so much for watching. We hope you got a nugget of wisdom to take with you on your journey. We will be back next week for a brand new episode. But in the meantime, consider supporting us on Patreon. We've got a ton of great bonus content available there for you. And we also opened a merch shop with a bunch of cool designs. I'm wearing one right now. This is one of my favorites. It says, your friendly neighborhood BPD BFFs. You can find the link to our merch shop on YouTube. We have a store tab. You can also find it if you are listening to us on another platform. You can get to us either through YouTube or go to our Instagram. We have a link tree with a link to our shop. 
So yeah, you can, you can rep the BPD bunch when you're out. Support us. Get some cool stuff. Thank you again, Lindsay, for coming and sharing your stories with us. It was so awesome. Later on in the season, we are going to do a little interview where she's going to, we're going to ask her some questions and she's going to tell us all about, all about her life and stories. So we're really, really excited to have met you and connected. We're having so much fun and yeah. Danny, I feel the exact same way. I think you guys are so, and ladies, they're just so creative and doing such a good thing. I feel so blessed that I got to be here today with you and just to hear everything. You've given me so many things for my toolkit as well. And just like, keep up the great work. I can't wait to come back and answer some questions and be well. Have a great day, y'all. Till next time. Bye. 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 Bye.